1: Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com, Douglay Maurice from Cleveland.com Defensive Line Preview. We're doing the position group breakdowns. We recorded these a little bit ago. So I will say this. We recorded all these the this batch of position group breakdowns that we are now working through before they went to the conference-only schedule. So I don't know. Listen, it was like we got hours of stuff. I didn't go through everything, but if you hear maybe like a reference to a stat or like a 12-game season, yeah, it's old. But the knowledge, the 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 analysis of the actual players, you know, that's who we're talking about. Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Tommy Togiai, Jack Sawyer coming in, right? Those guys, that's all legit. That's real Buckeye talk. So that's what we're doing. We really had a good time doing these. So this is a defensive line preview. And then our Monday, market Down Monday, is going to be excellent. We have recorded it. It is a breakdown of the 2022 recruiting class with me not really bringing much knowledge. What else is new? With Stephen Means and Cam Fields, who is now part of our recruiting coverage team. Our tech subscribers know that name because they're getting good juicy stuff when Cam and Steven talked to these 22 and 21 recruits. But we focused on the 2022 class, and Cam and Steven brought it. Lots of really good information. And the market down part of that podcast on Monday is, who will be the next verbal commit in 2022? That class has three right now. So you're not going to want to miss the Monday podcast. We're going to get into more position group breakdowns than next week. And then next Wednesday, we've done it. We worked our way through the entire Ohio State schedule. We ended up doing more games than they're going to do because we did all 12, Michigan next Monday, uh, next Wednesday. Stephen, Nathan, and I have tech subscriber questions that we've gone through. I'm going to have Aaron McMahon, Michigan beat writer from MLive.com. So, eh, you know, just as usual, a cornucopia, potpourri. Fancy word, a fancy word of Buckeye talkness. I want to do this for 90 seconds before we get to the defensive line. The NCAA put out the latest set of guidelines on Thursday for what teams they would suggest how they would handle coronavirus precautions in the fall. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Wear face shields. I wrote a story about it at cleveland.com face shields on helmets, masks on everybody on the sideline. Um, If you're traveling, try to travel day of so you don't have to stay in a hotel. If you're practicing, try to break up into smaller groups so you don't have all 125 guys constantly mixing with each other. Maybe if you go first team offense versus second team defense, then you don't ever go ones versus ones. You don't maybe go scout, scout team, right? You try to have the same guys kind of practicing against each other all the time because they're almost in a little pod. Lots of good recommendations, but then Mark Emmert, there's a quote in there from the president of the NCAA, and the NCAA hasn't been great on this. They have not, but they don't really have a whole lot to say about Major college football anyway. But he basically said, it's not up to us. This is a, a societal issue, as we have said here many times. And he said, if the pandemic doesn't get under control in the nation, then it doesn't matter. The NCAA can have as many guidelines as possible. That's not going to be the determining factor. The determining factor is whether the, the the curve bends. So that's it. That's not a surprise. That's what we've talked about for a long time. Every time I read somebody who acts like that's a surprise, it's like, of course, We've said forever, it's not a college football issue. It is a societal issue being reflected in college football. So, you know, they can push on this a little bit, right? I mean, if they're they're thinking maybe, say the Big Ten says, well, we don't have to start until October. That means maybe we don't have to start workouts until the middle of August. So they've got a month, but they're going to have to make decisions at some point. And the country's going to determine it. And I will say, you keep hearing news pop up. Listen, you're not getting your coronavirus news from Buckeye Talk. Please don't do that. I'm just a guy in a pair of pink headphones and a plaid shirt with gray hair. But I keep reading stories about vaccines. And I keep reading stories about scientists who are doing things faster than scientists have ever done in the course of human history. And I don't know how religious you are listening to this. I'm not a particularly religious guy. But when I read stuff like that, that gives me chills. And that is answered prayers. And I don't know if it's going to save college football. It very well may not. But that's my team right now. My number one team that I'm rooting for is science. And science applied in the name of good... That science is answered prayers. So that's where we are. So it stinks. People are having debates about, I mean, you know, I'm trying to talk to Mike DeWine about this. I have a request in. I hope I get him. You know, they're trying to have a sort of a save the season campaign to get people in Ohio to wear masks. Could it be possible that that, that football itself serves as a motivator to get people to wear masks? When I think about wearing a mask, I think about I, I, can't, I can't get in a lab and come up with a cure for a pandemic. But I can try to buy the scientists some time. I can do my tiny, tiny little part to try to bide time. We're all biding time. We're trying to, we're trying to be as normal as possible while we're biding time. Cause in the end, we got to get it. We got to let medicine and science fix this. But I think we're all praying about that in our own way or thinking good thoughts about it or however you choose to do that. And there's at least two or three stories that I've read in the last day or two. And you guys have seen them about the first phase of a trial went well. Or here, there's another another group doing another vaccine trial that they're going to push it. They're going to put the pedal to the metal on that stuff. And that gives me hope. And I, I actually think the NCAA had a lot of good suggestions in there. I don't know if it's going to matter. But um, if you root for the Buckeyes, and you do because you're listening to this, Let's, let's, let's give some of our energy to uh, team science to get us through this uh, and so that a year from now when we're sitting here talking, this can be in the past. So that motivates me to do my little part when geniuses are doing the big part. So that's where we are. But in the meantime, our little part is a defensive line preview, getting ready for the Ohio State Buckeyes, however they may or may not play. We're still going to talk about them. We're still going to have fun. We appreciate you guys going along for the ride. Here we go. Me, Steven, Nathan, Larry Johnson's guys. It's the Ohio State defensive line on Buckeye Talk. Defensive line breakdown. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Let's do this running through what the Buckeyes have. They got a lot of uh, dudes. They got a lot of dudes. They lost some dudes. But they got a lot of dudes. When we think about defensive end, eh, we got one, two, three, four, five guys to definitely think about as sort of like a five-man rotation. That's Jonathan Cooper as a redshirt senior, Tyreek Smith and Tyler Friday as juniors, Javante Jean-Baptiste and Zach Harrison as sophomores. So that's the big five. And then you have some true freshmen, Ty Hamilton, Colby Cohen, Darian Henry Young, and then you have Noah Potter as a redshirt freshman. So that's a bunch of dudes. Defensive tackle, again, you got probably four guys that you're thinking about mostly. That's Haskell Garrett and Antoine Jackson as seniors at defensive tackle. Tommy Togiai as a junior. Teron Vincent as a redshirt sophomore. You've also got Jaron Cage in there as a redshirt junior. He hasn't really had much of a chance to play yet. And then you got Cormonte Hamilton and Jaden McKenzie as redshirt freshmen. Uh, A lot of dudes. Uh, Who's the guy? Oh. The uh the guy the Heisman finalist guy that played defensive end for Ohio State number uh, two. I think I remember his name. I think it was yeah. Chase. Chase. He, he's he was I think he was pretty good. He was pretty good. Okay. Um, so obviously missing Chase Young and and a reminder here. Defensive tackle. Let's look at uh let's look at the snaps for instance. This is just a snapshot because guys actually did move around a lot. The three defensive tackles who all graduated, Jay Sean Cornell, Devon Hamilton, and Robert Landers, here's the snaps they played against Clemson. Cornell, 43, Hamilton, 41, Robert Landers, 28. No other defensive tackle may- played more than nine snaps against Clemson. So the three defensive tackles who were on the field at all practically in the biggest game of the year, they're all gone. So they're missing a lot of defensive tackle in addition to obviously missing maybe the best defensive end college football has seen in several years so that's what we're talking about as we start breaking down the defensive line steven from a recruiting standpoint we're talking about two really top shelf defensive end guys coming in in 2021 and then a defensive tackle guy that People might want to overlook, but that is basically a top 100 guy too, right? So who are we talking about for the class?
0: Yeah, it starts with Jack Sawyer, the first commitment of the 2021 class from right out of their backyard to the Baker North High School, the number three player in the country, number three strong side defensive end in the country. Obviously Corey Foreman, JT Tumalao are both in front of him. Five star, another five star from out of the backyard. That's like Zach Harris, another guy that you 100% have to land because he's in your backyard. And then Tamise Adeleye. We just transferred to IMG Academy and thinks Ohio State's gonna. we're going to write books about his recruiting class one day. He's the number 32 player in the country, the highest rated four-star player in the country. So he's right on the cuffs of getting a five-star recruit. And every time rankings come out, he likes to share his displeasure with the world of why he's not a five-star yet. And then Mike Hall, another Ohio guy, who's number 55 player in the country. He's starting to creep up the rankings a bit as they come out more and more. So, yeah, three top 60 players in the country – on the defensive line so far with another one who might give them two of the top three players in the country. If he commits to Ohio state, of course.
1: Nathan, when we look at this group of, of who's around now, nine defensive ends, seven defensive tackles. There, There's like not holes here, right? Again, when you look at our Ohio state scholarship chart and you can Google Ohio state scholarship chart and cleveland.com, you can go through sometimes, and we have it broken up by position and by year and you can see where there are gaps. There's not, There's not gaps here. There's just like a steady line of guys. It's a we don't exactly know what's going to happen happen, but it's a kind of pretty good group to choose from, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, I think you're right. In fact, there aren't there aren't gaps. There isn't like some spot where you think um, there's a there's a crater. I do think there is some question as to the quality of the depth on the interior and whether the sum of the parts of the edge guys are going to be enough to create the pass rush Ohio State needs. I mean, there's bodies there. I think there's talent there. It's just a matter of to what level do they push the ceiling of what this group can accomplish?
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting group with a lot of possibilities, but partly because of opportunity, Um, not a lot of sure things. So will this defensive line be? better in 2020 or was it better in 2019 nathan
2: any defensive line with chase young on it is better than the one that doesn't have it
1: so 2019 is this maybe the most obvious answer of all we're doing all these position group breakdowns is this the biggest gap for any position group between what they were last year and what we think they'll be this year
2: no i'd say I'd say defensive backs as well.
1: As well. Okay. Steven, nineteen or twenty. Nineteen had a Heisman
0: finalist. So yeah, anybody who's trying to convince you otherwise is thinking too hard.
1: Yeah, I don't think I mean there's not an argument, right? I mean, even if you're expecting a Zach Harrison leap or a Tyreek Smith leap, I mean the leap that you've got to make to beat Chase Young is New York um, is is crazy. And that's yeah, that's the thing we've said all along and, and some of the stuff we're doing in the position group breakdowns. We're trying to bring it, you know, into a tight little bundle. We've talked all about this stuff. So you guys know this. This is not lightning flashes. I mean, you you get it. Um, but, but Chase Young was sort of peak Ohio State defensive end, and it's a little bit of a reset to try to match that. Better in 2020 or better in 2021? Stephen, as you analyze this, and again, what they're going to lose – Jonathan Cooper's a senior. Haskell Garrett's a senior. Antoine Jackson's a senior. So three seniors in this group that won't be back in 21. And then I guess maybe probably the the only real candidate to maybe go pro early would be Tyreek Smith with a monster year. Will they be better in 20 or 21?
0: Steve? I think if Tyreek Smith comes back, then it's 2021, because I do think some of these guys who are placed at defensive end right now – you know, might get moved inside, especially if you're going to poss- potentially bring in four defensive ends in your 2021 class. So guys like, you know, Darion Henry Young and Jacoby Coleman might move back inside along with if Ter- Teron Vincent is great but hasn't taken that, you know, step to be the guy, to be a Marshawn Latimer candidate, then it's probably 2021.
1: Any argument with that, Nathan? I, I think I'm more
2: adamant that it'll be 2021.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you can always imagine, it's like, could Tyreek Smith go crazy and go pro? Yes, he could. I'm not, I guess I probably would not bet on that right now. I don't know. I don't know what the odds would be, but I, I do think I'm pretty, I'm pretty strong on this is a bit of a transition year, and it's possible that 21, you're, you're definitely going to have Zach Harrison in year three, and if you then have Zach Harrison in year three and Tyreek Smith in year four, plus... Maybe you'll have a better idea of who has emerged. Is it Tyler Friday? Is it Javante Jean Baptiste? Is it you know? I don't know. I like Dude. Teron
2: Vincent on the inside as a redshirt junior. You know, I, th- this year it could be tough for him having the, all that t- missed a whole season. Yeah. What level does he come back at this year? But if he starts to build something this year and then next year really unleashes it, I, you start to have something really interesting. So,
1: the the and the thing, Stephen. I don't know. It, again, Chase Young was. The fifth defensive end in a in kind of a rotation his first year at Ohio State. Joey Bosa got on the field his first year at Ohio State. Nick Bosa was a little bit of a rotation his first year at Ohio State. For 2021, when we think about it, you know, Jack Sawyers, one of the 10 best players in his class. Should we, could we envision a world where it's like, yeah, hey, you know, 2021, if Tyreek's back, your ends are Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison and maybe one of these other guys has emerged. But, hey, guess what? Your fourth defensive end is true freshman Jack Sawyer.
0: Yeah, we've already t- – what should we expect from a five-star guy? That should be his expectation is that he's one of the rotation guys in 2021, and in 2022 he starts to emerge, and in 2023 he's the full version of whatever that is for Jack Sawyer. But, yeah, he, he should have an expectation, and if they get – JT2 allow him too, but right now he should have an expectation that next year I'm going to be in the rotation at the bare minimum.
1: And that's the thing. And it's no offense to Ty Hamilton or Jacoby Cowan or Darian Henry Young, the the guys who are coming in as true freshmen in this class. None of them, the defensive line in 2021. Those recruits are higher ranked, and we could mm-hmm. expect more from than the 2020 guys in year one, right, Steven? Yeah, yeah.
0: Just it's no different than who, whoever was the lower ranked guys in 2018 class. As a matter of fact, guys like you know Alex. Yeah, there are guys in 2018 who probably knew that Zach Harrison was going to come in in 2019 and be a guy in the rotation because he's a top 10 player in the country. You expect that.
1: Darian Henry Young, number 153 overall player in the class of 2020. Jacoby Cowan from North Carolina, he's a number 162 overall player. And the other guy, let's see, where is he? Who am I missing? Oh, Ty Hamilton. Lower rated guy, just like his brother, younger brother of Davon Hamilton, who just became a third round pick. Uh, Ty Hamilton, number 759, more of a project. And so again, that's the thing. It's like, oh yeah, their guys in this class are lower rated. They're only ranked 150 and 160 in the country. They aren't in the top 50 or top 10, uh, like the guys coming in in 2021. But I do think 2021 could be, again, sort of that ideal Ohio State defensive line where you have a dude, again, if Tyreek is back, you have guys like Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison peaking in years three and year four, maybe Teron Teron Vincent peaking, and then you have some younger guys who are top 100 national recruits working in. I think that 2021 group could be really, really good. So I would lean 21 over 20. Biggest strength as we think about this defensive line group, biggest strength, Nathan? I
2: struggle with how to describe this because it almost sounds like a backhanded compliment. But I I think a strength is that this group should potentially dramatically improve over the course of a season. That you've got so many guys who are either doing this for the first time as starters or um, are finally getting healthy like Jonathan Cooper and Teron Vincent or – or are, are, are getting an opportunity that they never had before. Like, you know, th- there's so much room for these guys to maybe early on be still getting their feet under them in a way that last year's group was maybe a little bit more set, three 50-year seniors on the interior, Chase Young obviously coming in, known as one of the best players in college football. So th- this year I think it's going to be a little bit more unsteady in the beginning. It doesn't mean they're going to be bad. I just think that they're going to be sort of building towards their ceiling all season. Steven?
0: Yeah, the the biggest tri- take. let's just take Jay Shung out of this for, for a second. The depth in the defensive line last year was on the interior, and it's almost flipped this year. The depth this year is on the outside with guys like Jonathan Cooper, Tyree Smith, Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Zach Harrison, while on the inside, it's pretty much, you know, Haskell Garrett, Antoine, ja- like, Antoine Jackson, Tommy Togiai, and well, Teron Vincent, we can say that I mean he's a five-star recruit, so we can think that right now. But I just remember last year Larry Johnson bragging about the fact that he might be able to go three deep at both interior positions. That might he might brag the same way about the defensive end spot in 2020.
1: So this is a cop-out answer, but the biggest strength is Larry Johnson. <laughs> if he if they were not coached by one of the best defensive line coaches like in the history of modern football. I think we view this group differently, right? But is there not an inherent faith of like, well, listen, they recruited a lot of good guys. You know, I don't know that any of them have ever, you know, really shown on a college football field that they're dominant, but I don't know, they're talented and they got Larry Johnson teaching them what to do. That this is just a thing if this was, you know, and again, at a place like Ohio State, you have a lot of coaches like that, but Larry Johnson's at the peak. And that there's just a faith of he's going to teach them the right technique. He's going to motivate them. He's going to build relationships with them. He's going to make them into good football players. And they have enough options that Larry Johnson doesn't have to bat 100% on these guys. But between the 16 different dudes they have in the mix here, it's like, can Larry Johnson help four or five of them for the 2020 season become like very, very good football players? I don't know. Yeah, I guess like I just think if if say that Larry Johnson was gone and, and this is a you know, there was a whole separate we could do a Larry Johnson series of podcasts. But Nathan, if if Larry Johnson had retired and Ohio State had hired, you know, the very accomplished Texas, the TCU defensive line coach or the very accomplished, you know, Oregon defensive line coach. I don't know. Good. He's good. He's just not Larry Johnson. How much differently would you feel about this group?
2: I think you would feel differently, and I don't think it's a cop-out answer at all to say that Larry Johnson's a strength of this group because he's the one constant through a, a group that every year is a strength of this team. So you could pretty strongly argue that, like, what these questions that we have, it's not like no Ohio State defensive line has ever had these questions before. They typically get answered. Um So we may be looking back at this in December saying, hey, remember how stupid we all were back in July when we thought that there were issues about this or that on the defensive line? And it turned out to be one of the best ones at the Big Ten again, just like they do every year. Um,
1: And it's going to if it happens, I think it's a direct reflection on him. Larry Johnson is the kind of coach that makes people like us look stupid. Right. Which is like, why would you ever question? So, like, let's acknowledge that now. It's like, why would you ever question Larry Johnson's group? What's your question? He makes – he creates answers. That's what he's done his whole career. So we'll still ask the questions because there, the answers aren't there in the past. But will there be answers in the future? I think it's okay to have that assumption. The
0: formula Maybe. is simple. You know, Top 100 recruit plus Larry Johnson usually means good things.
1: And, again, when you have this number of guys – again. If if it doesn't quite happen for the guy who was the 81st best player in the country, then it might happen with the guy who was the 116th best player, or the guy who was the 57th best player. There's just enough options. And again, Zach Harrison at the top of it. That guy was a is a, is a huge giant recruit who's got every you know built-in skill. The, the the clay was there. What he did in high school, the player he was coming in was exa- was at the level of the Boses or Chase Young or Sam Hubbard or any guy like Taequann Lewis. The guys like that who have come here and succeeded, you know, Zach Harrison's on that level. And then you let Larry Johnson mold him. Tyreek Smith was on that level with the skills he brought. Then you let Larry Johnson mold him. Biggest question, Stephen, as you think about this. The biggest
0: question is what if that 2018 class when it comes to defensive ends doesn't pop, then what? Because then you're relying on a five-star Zach Harrison who's only in his second year in the program to take a major leap because the guys in front of him just didn't
1: pop. So what we're talking about, that 2018 recruiting class across the board, you said on the end, but just to cover them all, Teron Vincent at tackle was the number 20 overall player in that class. Tyreek Smith at at end was the number 34 overall player. Tommy Togiai at tackle, number 55 overall player. Tyler Friday, now an end, the number 93 overall player. Antoine Jackson was a junior college guy, but he was the number one junior college guy in the country that year, Mm -hmm. was a former top 100 guy as a a high school recruit. Um, That's just, again, that's a lot of options. And then Alex Williams, who has since transferred, was kind of a late ad. Um, Nathan, I, I think that it's, it's, we have so many questions. So much about this team is tied to the 2018 recruiting class, these third-year guys who most of them, other than Chris Olave, have not really made huge contributions yet because a lot of them were blocked by 2017 guys. That, that applies across the roster, but I think it, it is crystallized to some degree on the defensive line. Nathan, how do you phrase your question about this group?
2: And I go in on the interior for my biggest question because do they have? I think it's fair to ask: Is there the right combination of both talent and depth from the interior guys? Um, and I'm almost more worried about the depth than I am the talent because I, I think I believe that Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togai and Teron Vincent are, are 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 Big Ten football players and can handle that job. But you remember you were getting down to those names when you were getting down to the fourth and fifth guys in that rotation last year, now those guys are up at the top. And I don't know a whole lot about, you know, is Antoine Jackson like for real? And he was getting good snaps last year. I shouldn't put him completely on the outside of that, but he's probably, I think definitely fourth in that list among those four guys right now. And these younger guys, you know, are they ready to contribute if they need to contribute in a way that Garrett and Togi did last year when they were able to hold their own, Um, I think there was just more confidence that you could get that far into the rotation and and get good players. So I don't know that your season hinges on your fourth and fifth defensive tackle, but I do think you need to have good depth at this position. And we need to, that was one of the questions we thought would probably get answered this spring when we got to see this team. And because we get to see it, it's still a question that's lingering out there.
1: There was almost a six-way rotation between the two defensive tackle spots last year. Half the rotation is back and half are gone. Jay Cornell played 399 snaps. Again, this is all according to our good friends at 11 Warriors and their handy dandy season long snap count. Jay Cornell played 399. Davon Hamilton played 352. Robert Landers played 253. Those three are all gone. After that, Tommy Togiai played 250. Haskell Garrett played 218. Antoine Jackson played 201. And then, of course, Teron Vincent was hurt the whole year. So. That's a six-man mix and the three most productive. And again, when it got to to winning winning time, when it got to winning time against Clemson, they went from a six-man rotation to a three-man rotation, and they played the three guys who are now gone. So that also tells you a little something. So um, I think that's a very good question. My question is, who is the guy that takes the pressure off everyone else? Who is the guy that draws a double team? Every now and then, who is the guy that that emerges as okay? We'll have the tight end chip on him. Who's the guy that the back is going to help on? Because when you have a guy like that, it makes everybody else's job easier. And again, I have said this multiple times this off season. I don't buy the thing that people said a lot last year, which is hey, if you double team Chase Young, then Ohio State's going to get pressure with all these other guys. Again, I just keep watching the Clemson game. Again, watch that Clemson game and tell me, show me a guy who won a who won a one-on-one matchup on Ohio State's defensive line, other than Chase Young. Robert Landers made probably three good plays in the backfield. He had a snap where he like split a double team and got a sack. He had a couple other pressures where he just bullied guys and knocked them backwards. Davon Hamilton had a sack in that game that was a coverage sack. He didn't really beat a guy, but Trevor Lawrence held the ball, and eventually Davon Hamilton got in the backfield. Zach Harrison had a play where he, like, did a good job in the zone read and kind of slowed Trevor Lawrence down. But show me another end winning a matchup, getting pressure by just beating the tackle. Baron Browning had a sack in that game, and, we'll, you know, we can refer back to Stephen Means' love of Baron Browning. You know, I mean, like, Baron Browning came off the line like he was shot out of a cannon and blew past the tackle before the tackle even moved and and sacked Trevor Lawrence. He was standing up, but it wasn't really a blitz. It wasn't like a surprise. He just burned the dude. I didn't see the other ends other than Chase Young doing that. I saw saw ends getting blocked by tackles. So tell me who takes off the pressure because now – if nobody has to get doubled, now now everybody can get doubled a little bit. All right, we'll slide, we'll slide this way to help, we'll slide this way to help. We're not worried about anybody winning one-on-one matchups. And all of a sudden, sometimes you can wind up with four defensive linemen standing there getting stonewalled. So, you know, that's the that's the worry, that's the question. If the answer is, hey, Zach Harrison got better, he's he's winning one-on-one matchups, great. If the answer is Tyreek Smith got better, he's winning those matchups, okay. I'm just not sure exactly who it's going to be because I certainly didn't see it against a really good team with a really good veteran offensive line. But, again, that's how you win national titles. I just didn't see it last time we saw these guys on the field. Crazy prediction. Steven, what's your crazy prediction or thought about the defensive line?
0: That My crazy prediction had that Tyreek Smith pops and that last year he was limited because he dealt with some injuries.
1: And pops means just, like, really being uh, he's the, he's consistent. The guy, yeah,
0: he's the guy, for for the sake of your word, he's the guy that takes the pressure off of everybody else.
1: Okay, I think that's reasonable. I think that's, I mean, it's certainly out there. It's certainly out there. And, again, we've seen Chase. Chase had 10 sacks his sophomore year, but he had times when he wasn't yeah. constantly flashing because he was hurt a little bit. So if that's part of Tyreek's story, Hey, I wasn't quite myself, but now hey, in year 3, I'm totally healthy and this is who I am. And again, we've referenced I think the the PFF pass rush percentages on a previous podcast that, are, that a Dexter had no, you know, sent our way. I think Nathan you referenced those. You know, Tyreek when he was out there did get after it a decent amount of the time. So that's certainly out there for him. Nathan, what's your crazy prediction? Tommy Togi
2: I is kind of takes this team on its shoulders. I don't know how to how to put I don't know how I'm quantifying that. Not not takes a team on its shoulders, but takes this unit on his shoulders. I don't know how to quantify that in terms of a prediction. I don't know, maybe you want to say uh Tommy Togai is the the Big 10 defensive lineman of the year, something like that. I don't know. A crazy prediction. I think maybe you know we've we've talked about him in terms of well he's the the strongest guy on this team or whatever that that they they say about him. And then we kind of throw it in as like a fun anecdote without maybe stopping to analyze what it means to be considered the strongest guy on a team that is this full of future NFL offensive and defensive linemen. Um, He maybe wasn't there yet in terms of just being, having that veteran savvy that those three fifth-year guys did. So he wasn't going to get ahead of those guys last season. Um, or at least the ones that are more specifically his position at the nose. But I could see him just this year being a year where we finally see the full Tommy Togiai presence and he just sort of asserts himself in a, a, a huge way as being like the answer that clogs up the middle and anchors this defense.
1: Robert Landers was 6'1 and 285. Tommy Togia is listed at 6'2 and 300. Robert Landers, as I said, had moments where he was a bowling ball getting into the backfield, getting that push. Um, And Robert Landers didn't get drafted. Robert Landers is not – I mean, he's not some stupendous, game-changing defensive tackle. Um, But you can see how interior pressure changes things, and you just start blowing up the pocket. Not every snap. Not even every series, but if you can like blow up the pocket from the interior, and all of a sudden you just you just ruin a play, you just absolutely destroy a play. And if Tommy Togiai can do that instead of three times a game as Robert Landers did against Clemson, Tommy Togiai can do that six times a game where he just ruins it. Um, that's what being that's what you're talking about, Nathan. It's not anecdotal that you're strong. It's tangible. It's like. How is What does Tommy Togia's strength do? Oh, it means that two guys tried to block them, and he knocked both of them backwards into the quarterback. That really matters, and that's how that could manifest itself.
2: But The other thing, too, though, is that this team last season, this defensive front, just flattened every running back for the first 12 games of the season, basically. It wasn't until Jonathan Taylor got some stuff going against him in the Big Ten Championship game that really any – Running back had any kind of success against Ohio State's defensive front. I don't. Th- that's going to be really, really hard to replicate this season. We've already talked about how we don't know what the secondary is going to look like at various times on this podcast, and the lack of pass rush maybe affects that, or not a lack of pass rush, but the decreased, the lack of Chase Young maybe it contributes to that as well. So they've got to find some guys in this defensive line and in the interior specifically to beat the clogs there to be kind of the foundation of the run defense. Cause if you're weak on both ends of that, I think that's when this defense could really be in trouble.
1: I'm surprised. And we had talked about on, uh, on some other podcasts, um, you know, that there's just always like a guy that you can fall in love with in most of these groups. I thought, I thought maybe you would embrace one of your other dudes with a crazy prediction isn't wouldn't you call teron vincent one of your dudes nathan
2: i would yeah i just i again i i i i think i was talk i, I was thinking of him in, in a dudeish way going into the spring i was really intrigued to see him in the spring and they didn't get to see him at all so i really don't know i i don't have any better grasp on Taron Vincent. his name's going to come up later again
1: so, again, to to look at this 2018 class again, which is just so fascinating, Nicholas petit Frere was the number seven overall player in the country, waiting on him on the offensive line. Tyreek Johnson was the number 21 overall player in the country, waiting on him in the defensive backfield. Jalen Gill was the number 30 overall player in the country, transferred. Tyreek Smith was number 34, has flashed more than the other guys, but still waiting for a bust out. Jeremy Ruckert was number 37, has flashed, but waiting for a bust out. Taraja Mitchell, number 44, waiting for a chance, waiting for a chance. Wonder if it's going to come. Tommy Togia was 55. Matthew Jones, 68 in the offensive line. Hasn't really happened yet. Josh Proctor is going to get his chance, number 71. It's just guy after guy after guy after guy. And the number, the second highest ranked player in that class is Teron Vincent, number 20 overall player behind only NPF in that Ohio State second ranked 2018 recruiting class. I'm going to go in on like Teron Vincent being their best defensive tackle. So, and maybe that's not crazy. Maybe it's like, oh yeah, you're picking the five star to be good in year three. Great, crazy prediction, Doug. It's just, his arm was like, a, he had a robot arm all of last year. He had this mm-hmm. giant thing on his, on his elbow and he just, it just wiped out his season. Um, he comes from a football family. His dad is Troy Vincent who had a huge long career in the NFL You know, those guys, sometimes we talk about it with G. Scott. You just sometimes have guys who are around the Bosa family. You know, you grow up around football. You understand the game in a certain way. It can help set you up just that you sort of get it, right? I mean, a lot of this with with families who, who don't have people in their family who make a living off football or don't have friends in the family who make a living off football, sometimes you don't get it until you're doing it. And then that means you have to adjust when you get to college. Teron Vincent, the Vincent family knew what was up. So he got here. He was a freshman and then he got hurt. And now here he is in year three as a five-star. And we just, as Nathan said, we don't, we haven't seen anything. So this is all based on, he's a five-star who was hurt. So, The five star part of it doesn't make it crazy, but the fact that he hasn't really done anything yet maybe does make it crazy. I'll say that's my prediction that Teron Vincent is like the dude of this group. Guy we most want to see play this year or next, Nathan, is that where you're going to have your Teron Vincent answer? Exactly. Yeah.
2: I mean, I still have not seen him do literally anything on a football field except, yeah, like you said, you know, walk around with his bionic arms. So I I want to see what it's all about. You know, why was he a five star and what can he do for this team in 2020? Stephen, who do you want to see?
0: Um, I'm sorry, but that has to be the answer. Teron Vincent, the number, top 20 player in the country who was hurt, and so we did not get to see them see him play. And we've seen players in the past go from hurt to NFL players. So it, the answer has to be Teron Vincent.
1: So I'm, my answer is Antoine Jackson. And I think it's possible, as we've said, our, our Ohio State scholarship count, we're counting C.J. Saunders as a scholarship guy for 2020, even though he's not technically cleared for his sixth year as far as we know yet. But that puts him at 86. And I almost want to do this exercise. I think it might be a fun exercise for the three of us to do at some point or to have our textures do or whatever. But just say, you can't look at anything. Write down every player, every scholarship player on the team. Go. I think Antoine Jackson might be like one of the guys that trips people up. Maybe Jaron Cage, who's like another defensive tackle who hasn't played much. But he's just forgotten to me. But yet, when I'm watching that Clemson game, and as much as I said, you know, no defensive tackles played, Antoine Jackson played nine snaps against Clemson, but he was in there early. He's in there, like in the first half. He's in there taking meaningful snaps. This guy was the number 51 overall recruit in the country in the class of 2016. Ohio State went after him. He went to Auburn instead. Then he leaves Auburn. He goes to junior college. He comes back to Ohio State in that 2018 class. It's like a big deal. Hey, they got, this, they got this Juco guy who picked Auburn over Ohio State, but he still had the relationship with Larry Johnson. Look at this. Ooh, now they got him back. And then just like, you know, doesn't really, you know, he played last year. He was one of the six guys who played at defensive tackle I feel like nobody ever talks about him. Now he's a senior. And when we talk about, okay, well, who's going to start? Well, I think for a brief time when we saw like the starters um, in spring football, I think ha- like Haskell Garrett was running with the ones for a while, right? It's like, oh, well, it's Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai and you got to work in Teron Vincent. And I feel like Antoine Jackson is the guy you forget about. And this guy was a top 50 player in high school. And now he's a fifty year senior. He's been around football forever. He hasn't been at Ohio State forever, but like we always, and then this is the there are the Marshawn Lattimore all stars, and then there are like the Daryl Baldwin contributors, who are the fifth year guys. Brandon Bowen would have fit that. There's often a fifth year guy. They're often offensive linemen. Chase Ferris was like this. There's a they're a fifth year guy who doesn't ever really do a ton, and then in year five it all comes together. They're old. Not a lot of guys who who actually play last five years sometimes. We saw Davon Hamilton make a jump from year four to year five. I don't think it's impossible that Antoine Jackson makes a jump like that. He was certainly higher rated than Davon Hamilton coming out of high school. and that's not By the time you're in your fifth year at college, nobody cares what your recruiting ranking was. But I think maybe, I mean, the guy did play last year. We never talk about him. But he was a big-time recruit. He did play. He's a fifth-year senior. He's in the mix at a position where they have questions. So I'm very curious whether Antoine Jackson, like, might be a difference maker at defensive tackle in 2020.
0: Surprised nobody said Zach. Well.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's like Zach Harrison is the Garrett Wilson of the defensive ends. Yeah. I mean, they're the two guys. They're like the the guys in the 2019 class. And Steven, I mean, like they're basically on the same path, right? I mean, would you would you say that Garrett Wilson is, is ahead of Zach Harrison with what they did as freshmen? Or though, again, when you watch, go watch the Fiesta Bowl, who started at defensive end opposite Chase Young? Zach Harrison. Yeah. Zach Harrison's out there the first snap with the first team as a true freshman in a college football playoff semifinal. Zach Harrison, they're trying to win a national championship. They put 11 defenders on the field against T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Travis Etienne and a veteran offensive line and Trevor Stink and Lawrence. And one of the 11 guys at Ohio State says, let's put you out there to start, is a true freshman. It's Zach Harrison. Is he on Garrett Wilson's level since you are our Garrett Wilson beat writer? Or is he a little behind him in your mind going into year two?
0: If Cleveland.com ever does a, a one-player beat writer, it's, got, it's Garrett Wilson. I'm calling it, but yeah, I think it's it's the same kind of trajectory. I, statistically, probably not, because that would mean he would have a similar 10-sack season like Chase Young did. Because we I've already gone out the window with you know Garrett Wilson having a thousand yards. But as far as the 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 usage and what they mean to their specific position room, yeah, they're on the same trajectory to where. In 2021, Zach Harrison is arguably going to be the best defensive end in that room, and Garrett Wilson will arguably be the best wide receiver in his room. So, yeah, it is a similar trajectory to where you know Garrett Wilson was a rotating guy who had a role. Zach Harrison was a rotating guy who had a role. Both of them will be starters in 2020, and then in 2021, there is the year that they probably both explode.
1: Again, that 2019 Ohio State recruiting class was like a transition class. They wound up Mm -hmm. in the teens instead of, you know, in the top five in the country. But you look at it, Zach Harrison, the number 12 overall player in the class of 2019, Garrett Wilson, number 20 overall player, Harry Miller, number 30 overall player.
0: And he's in that too. It's just with offensive line, the way you use it is a little differently because true freshman offensive linemen don't typically play outside of what Paris Johnson might do. So all three of those guys being – and then Jameson Williams, obviously sitting the year, but the top three top 30 p- players in that class are all on the same trajectory right now.
1: So, those are again, they only had three only, only three top 50 guys in that class, but sometimes Ohio remember. State has eight top 50 guys in a year. When we talk about should we, Nathan, be talking about Garrett Wilson and Zach Harrison at their respective positions? with equal fervor and equal anticipation going into 2020, or if there's a little more juice around Garrett Wilson, does that make sense to you?
2: I actually think the juice maybe should be a little bit more around Zach Harrison
0: in some ways. How dare you?
2: Um, And it's not because I don't think Garrett Wilson could have a pretty huge season. It's just that um, I think it's possible that Zach Harrison he can kind of go get his on his own in a way that Garrett Wilson can't. He's sort of dependent on the distribution of the offense. And Garrett Wilson had a role last year, but wasn't, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you could make the argument that, that Harrison
1: is, is a step ahead, not a big step, but a step ahead. I mean, they were both kind of like co-starters last year, that Wilson right. was mm-hmm. in a true rotation at one of the outside spots. He truly was. You look at the snaps. It was, he played about, half the snaps at outside receiver. Um, and Zach Harrison was in a true rotation at defensive end, and he played the second most snaps of any defensive end behind Chase Young, but in that mix with everybody else. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it's is it just that, like, you know, Garrett Wilson jumped up in the air like a helicopter yeah. and, and and caught a pass. And, like, I don't know – you know, Zach Harrison, like, didn't have a one-handed sack of Trevor Lawrence in the Fiesta Bowl.
0: It's easier to be loud when you play wide receiver than it is to be defensive
1: end, unless you're chasing out. I think it's part of it. And the other thing is, like, you know, I mean, to your point, Nathan, Chris Olave is Chris Olave. Like Chris, Ohio State has a has a stud coming back who's established it on the field, who's a year older than Garrett Wilson. They have that at receiver. They don't have a Chris Olave at defensive end right now. Jonathan Cooper, you know, is a senior, but he has never done what Chris Olave did. Tyreek Smith is older than Zach Harrison, but he didn't have a Chris Olave year last year. So to your point, like Zach Harrison, you know, you could make an argument right now that Zach Harrison is Ohio State's best defensive end. And as much as as Steven loves Garrett Wilson, and I love Garrett Wilson, you know, Chris no, Olave is Chris argument. Olave. Yeah, you, know, you can't like, make the argument right now. But, but, you know, Nathan, to your point, I mean, like, Zach Harrison might be right now their best defensive end. Probably maybe should be their best defensive end in 2020. And by the end of the year, probably will be their best defensive end, right? Which could make him their
2: second best defensive player overall behind Sean Wade.
1: So should we be jumping up and down and doing, like, somersaults and screaming Zach Harrison's name on this podcast as much as we screamed Garrett Wilson's name on the slot receiver podcast. Are we missing something here, Nathan? Do you want to, would you like to scream Zach Harrison's name right now? I think he'll,
2: he'll, he'll do his own screaming in due time. It's a matter of uh, right now. We we just had this extended period of no, no football and nothing new to talk about. So I feel like that, that lets us kind of you guys and other people and, and all of us, I suppose it's more like, it's all about this potential of Garrett Wilson. We didn't, we always saw it was like the one day, the one day, it for a few minutes at the start of the spring practices, and it became this thing where everybody's imagination runs wild. So, uh, and, and Zach Harrison wasn't changing anything; he's just probably playing more snaps at the same position he played before.
1: So, th- yeah, that's, that's part of it.
0: We're living, yeah, we've been living off of this one day for six months. That's very. That's a fair statement to make.
1: If they had said, if Ryan Day had announced, if we had seen like Zach Harrison roaming around the defense, and Ryan Day announced that they were turning him into a linebacker, pass rusher, safety hybrid like Isaiah Simmons, we'd then, be screaming Zach Harrison's oh name right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If,
0: if the if the basically if the Wisconsin
1: Chase game was what we saw Zach doing, then yeah, you're right. But but he's only on track to be the next Chase Young. Like that's all. Like he's he's only the next he's five under, star he's defensive end. Yeah, I mean he's just the heir to the to the Bosa Young throne under the best defensive line coach in America. That's all he is. So we're not freaking out as much. He's also kind of a quiet guy, but also Zach Harrison actually has been very interesting and out front um, in the Black Lives Matter movement and the way that Ohio State players have reacted to that. Nathan, I think you wrote the thing about it. He's on. The The Big Ten committee about this topic, is he not?
2: Yeah, there's a there's a Big Ten um, committee about um, – I remember what they call it, the Coalition Against Hate and Racism, something along those lines. I don't remember the exact name off the top of my head, but yeah, he's – there's there's several representatives from Ohio State, but he's the football representative.
1: You know what? I'm going to do it. You're going to Google it? No, hold on a second. I'm getting ready. You're going to jump up and down
0: and me... yell – Zach's. Oh, you're going to talk to Zach. Okay, go ahead.
1: No, I'm going to go to McDonald's. Yeah, I'm going to go to McDonald's (laughs) and wait for Zach Harrison to show up. Ready? Here I go. It's the anti-hate and
2: anti-racism coalition.
1: Oh, no, I'm not. No, I didn't didn't mean I was going to Google facts. I meant that I was going to be weird. Uh, Zach Harrison! Woo! Zach Harrison! Woo! I mean, we probably should. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if we're going to, you know. If that's the
0: case, then Nathan has to claim Harry Miller, so all the top 30 guys are are accounted for.
1: Uh, now, to be fair, I have not seen Zach Harrison at McDonald's, but his uncle was my waiter at Giordano's like five times. And it kept, that was like my big, I went to Giordano's a mile from my house. Oh, he'd be there. <laughs> I started, I don't know what I was doing. I think I might have been working and I had my computer and the guy was like, oh, yeah, my nephew's a football player. And I was like, oh, who's your nephew? And he's like, oh, my nephew Zach Harrison. And I was like, what? And then I was like, that was my big inside scoop. And I was like, I'm going to get to know his uncle and I'm going to break Zach Harrison's recruiting decision. And I, yeah, I just ate pizza. I just ate. Just gave me an excuse of like, I got to go do some reporting. Better go eat at Giordano's for lunch again today. But then I did say, I think his name is Uncle Mike. Great guy. I saw him at a game and I was like, hey, remember me? I like to eat pizza.
0: Did he remember you?
1: uh, No, nobody. Nobody. (laughs) So everybody's like, get away from me. Can I just please live my life?
2: Um. There was nothing that really stood out about those visits because Doug just ate his pizza and his crust like everyone else.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe if you'd have gone and,
0: you know, thought you were going to eat an entire pizza, he remembered you.
1: I got to say, Stephen, the lunch deal at Giordano's where you get like a personal sized Chicago style pizza and then you can either get super salad on the side and it's not that expensive. It takes doesn't take as long to cook the pizza.
0: It's a nice little deal. I think I think
1: you might you could eat that pizza for sure. Um, so we should go try that someday, but except I'm still not leaving my house. Okay, confidence level. Confidence level, 1 to 10, about Ohio State's defensive line in 2020. Steven, start with you.
0: Six, because the talent is clearly there, but whether or not it you know turns into something leaves some room for doubt. So I'm going to go
1: six. Nathan.
2: I really struggled with this. I ultimately said six as well. I thought maybe, though, that was a little high. It started to make me think, like, oh, well, are we giving everything? Like, what, what would it take for a position group to get less than a six at this point? Um, we may find out, I suppose, when we get to the secondary, but I, I doubt it. I doubt we're going to r- rate it quite that low. So, like, how bad would a, would a position group have to be to get less than a six? And is that indicative of Ohio State, or do we need to be tougher in our grading?
0: But also to a point you said earlier, Larry Johnson, I think, pushes this up a little bit.
2: Right, and that's one of the reasons why I ultimately settled at 6.
1: Yeah, no, like the Bill Davis era linebackers were like 3s, but but most of the time when it's talent plus pretty good coaching, it's just it's just hard to be less than 6. I mean, honestly. I mean, like cuz you lose you lose players every year. This is how it works. And there's almost always somebody waiting in the wings. And so I'll also say a 6 because the thing is by like week three, we might be like, it's a 10. It's a 10. It's a 10. Oh, my God. Did you see what Tommy Togiai ripped that guy's arms off? Oh, my gosh. Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith are having a party at the quarterback every other snap. Oh, my God. Teron Vincent is everything we thought he was going to be. Wow. Antoine Jackson is making that year five leap. Holy moly. Jonathan Cooper. what a What a godsend for the Buckeyes that he came back. He is absolutely going to contribute in this defensive end rotation. Like, the, you know, again, are all four or five of those things probably going to happen? Probably not. But, like, two or three of them could. And we easily could be at the point of, why did we ever doubt these guys? So to go, like, any lower than six is like setting yourself up for an I told you so, I think. Because, again, if you – and I didn't go through it exactly. But, again, it's like, you know, Tyler Friday is like – we haven't said Tyler Friday's name. He's a top 100 recruit. Tyler Friday would be, like, the best player on Indiana. You know, like, if Tyler Friday had gone to Rutgers, like, they'd be – their whole offseason would be built about, like, built around how good can can Tyler Friday be. And that's just, you know, like, that's not how it is here. And it's not that he's an afterthought, because he's one of those five guys in the defensive end rotation. But, you know, that guy was the number –
0: Ninety-three Not, player, number six defensive tackle in the country.
1: And and like and Javante Jean-Baptiste is actually from New Jersey. He was the number two nineteen overall player in the class of twenty eighteen. And that's I think I forgot him when I was going through twenty eighteen because he was listed as an outside linebacker. He's a defensive end now. Again, like Rutgers, if he played for Rutgers, we'd be doing a Rutgers preview and We'd be like saying, how's the defense looking? And, and, you know, Keith Sargent would be saying, oh, they've got this kid, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Ohio State was after him. He's really looking good. And he's like the fifth defensive end here. So, uh, you know, I think, I think there's just enough ways for it to pop. I think it's hard to go lower than six, but I think there's a lack of certainty that you could go seven. I mean, if you really just believe in Larry Johnson, I guess you could go eight, but you certainly can't be as sure as you are about receiver, when you've seen what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson do, as sure as you would be on the offensive line, as sure as you would be, you know, with Justin Fields or whatever. So I just think I think six makes a lot of sense. To the
0: to that point of the optimism and everything, and maybe this is heard on the podcast, but when do we start worrying about the 2018 class? Because I think I mentioned it earlier, the second to lowest rated guy who is still on this roster from that class is the best player in this recruiting class so far, and that's Chris Olave. So. When do we get to a – what week if, you know, when, when do we worry about this class that maybe the number two class in the country who had a 94.29 average star rating was a miss as a whole? And that, Has that ever actually happened before in recruiting?
1: The um, whole class
0: is just a miss.
1: I would say if they lose the Penn State game and it feels like there are not guys in that class who were – making significant contributions to them winning like the middle of this year. If it's the middle of this year. And again, I, 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 I reference this a lot. It's just, I think Urban Meyer put it well one time, you know, the first two years are on the coaches in the program. The third year is on the player. Like first two years, we're putting everything we know into you, you know, maybe there's not a chance for you to play, but by year three, we've sort of taught you what you need to know. And you know what, there's, there's good players everywhere, but by year three, you know, like your shot, there's a shot there. It's hard to be like totally blocked by year three. Maybe the current linebackers, maybe Kavon Pope and Dallas Gantt and Taraji Mitchell would say otherwise. But for the most part, it's there for you. So if by the middle of this year, there aren't multiple dudes in that 2018 class who are helping Ohio State look like a national title contender, that's when I'd worry. Not, not week three. But week six or seven, Nathan, what's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't think that, again, just because the opportunity really hasn't been there for some of these guys. I don't think we've seen guys going out there failing. I think we've seen guys who we still haven't really seen them get their shot. They have to get their shot before we can fully ride
1: off this class. And that's the thing, like the 2013 class was so good for Ohio State, the class that we all know, Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott and everybody else. Um, but Ohio State had never really stacked two classes, like 17 and 18, on top of each other, where you follow the number two class in the country with the number two class in the country. And so I thought the 17 class was going to pop in year two, and they really didn't, but they really popped in year three. Year two was like Chase was kind of hurt. Jeffrey Okuda was in a cornerback rotation. J.K. Dobbins took a step back, right, and it was kind of like, oh, 2017 class, what's up? okay, now show me something in year three. And then they showed it across the board. Wyatt Davis year two was kind of like, okay. But then Wyatt Davis year three is like, okay. you know. Josh Myers in year three is like, okay. And that 17 class exploded in year three. So that's what's out there for the 18 class. But if they're not doing it when it's winning time against Iowa and Michigan State and Penn State and then building up to the Michigan game, if they're not doing it this year, I mean, this is the time to do it. Because if they don't do it this year, they're not going to win the national title. I mean, they're not. I mean, Chris, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not going to do it. They, they can't do it with Justin Fields and Trey Sermon and Antoine Jackson. I mean, you've got to do it with these third-year, highly skilled dudes who just haven't really had a chance yet. That's going to be – and that's – I mean, that's, of course. It's like it's a huge chunkier roster. It's like, well, on an 85-man roster, if these 25 guys aren't good, you're in trouble. It's like, oh, duh, of course you are. But it's time for them. This is their time. And the 17 class, when it was their time, didn't quite click all the way in year two, did it absolutely in year three. And that's what's out out there for the 2018 class, which probably should be a separate podcast. All right, that's it for the, what line was was, a Defensive line, defensive line. So we hope you guys are enjoying our position group uh, previews here. We're continuing to work through the entire roster. But for now, that's another Buckeye talk. We love you guys. Try the text, 614-350-3315. Drop Apple Podcasts reviews at your leisure. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. For Stephen, for Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.